Welcome to Freedom Thinkers, where we analyze current events and political topics to promote free thought on college campuses and throughout America. Today we are talking about the impeachment process and other notable news. Uh, I'm here with my co-host Luke Johnson. Hello. Uh, And this is Parker Humphrey, and we're excited to be back in the studio after uh, a long absence. I know it. I tell you, it's been been too long, but... Let me just say the news has not taken a break, that's for sure. 2020 is off to quite the <laughs> quite the start. Unfortunately, yes. Politics never stops. It, it never does. The game never ends. Let's just say that. Yeah, so uh, what do you got going on uh, for us today, Luke? So uh, today I thought we'd talk about especially the impeachment um, news just because that's pretty prevalent. And especially going into the 2020 primary season, it's important to talk about what's what's been going on with that. So today, as we're recording this on January 27th, um, the lawyers for President Trump are on day two of presenting their case to the senators in the United States Senate right now. And so each side, I guess you could say, has three days of you know testimony and presenting their case. So the Democrats last week had their three days to kind of present what they thought was an impeachable offense, and they brought in their lawyers and their team to try to to try to prove that uh, President Trump was guilty of of an impeachable offense, and so today we're back back on, and uh, we're on day two of the of the impeachment trial in the Senate, and so it's already gone through the House, which um, did not take long at all, if maybe five days, you know, at the most, and um, and so it was kind of interesting because a few weeks back, um, you know, late December, early January. Um, Nancy Pelosi kind of hesitated a little bit if she was going to, you know, even send the impeachment articles to the Senate. And so that was interesting, and some were speculating that she would just not even send them to the Senate and just call it off. But she did decide to go ahead and to send the impeachment articles to the Senate, and so it is the Senate's job right now to to hold a trial. And so the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court right now um, is is presiding over over that Senate trial and and so it's interesting because right now the fight is some senators are calling for testimony from witnesses who were involved especially John Bolton is the main the main witness that people are interested to hear from um, some others are also including you know Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and um, even Nikki Haley has been speculated to to bring testimony, but John Bolton's the main one that people are, are wanting to hear because he was in on that phone call with the Ukrainian president. And even today, just as we are recording this right now, Senator from, from Utah, Mitt Romney, who is a Republican, who did, if you if you remember, ran for president back in 2012, he's calling for um, John Bolton to also testify. So it's not just a Democrat thing, it's also a Republican some of a Republican thing that they're calling for John Bolton to come and to testify in front of the Senate, which will it happen? I don't know. What do you you think that'll happen? I mean, McConnell's definitely motivated to not let it happen. I mean, that's why Pelosi didn't send over the articles originally. Yeah. It was because she wanted to use them as leverage uh, until McConnell agreed to call in witnesses and everything because mm-hmm. uh, McConnell just wanted to come in and vote on it. He wanted to get in and get out, you know, which is the, what the president wants for sure. Which I think a lot of people want that now, especially after it's gone on for so long. I think people are starting to get tired of it. Um, and McConnell had a quote. He said, frankly, uh, I'm not anxious to have a trial. If she thinks her case is so weak she doesn't want to send it over, uh, throw me into that briar patch. <laughs> um, so McConnell is not worried about the situation. Uh, I think 
I mean, Republicans have a strong hold on the Senate. Uh, and as long as people like uh, Romney, who is more center, don't uh, jump ship, then mm-hmm. I think Trump will be uh, be fine. He won't be removed from office. Yeah, and just to remind you, I mean, it takes two-thirds of the Senate to impeach the president. That's 67 senators to vote for the impeachment. I and mean, that's a lot of senators. Right now, the Republicans hold a slight majority of the Senate, but 67, so it has to be bipartisan, which is on purpose. But, um, you know, it's just not not an easy thing to to complete if they were to convince people that he was guilty of an impeachable offense. And the thing that I think was interesting and I'm not a big fan of is a few, actually last week, um, each senator is required to sign their name in the book and also raise their right hand to testify that they're going to be an impartial juror, just as if you were selected at home to be an impartial juror for a civil case or whatever. And so each senator was required to put their hand on the Bible and to raise their and raise their hand. And um, it just seems like that's not actually true, you know, on both sides. I think that's just not not true that people are impartial. I mean, you have McConnell kind of coordinating with the White House to try to get in and get out real quick, which also, if you're an impartial juror, you wouldn't be getting involved with the each side. So it's just an interesting thing. And sadly, that's where our politics are, you know, in today's age. But um, but some you know are are impartial more than more than others. Yeah, but we did know going in. I mean, when the House brought up brought forth the articles of impeachment, we were like, okay, he's gonna get impeached. Yeah. Like I didn't care what the trial said. I mean, I watched you know some of it, uh, just because I try to stay updated with it. But I knew very well that they were going to impeach him. Yeah. Uh, and then it, and then I knew very well. I think the Senate's gonna acquit him. Um, so it just. The whole thing feels fake, almost. Like it, it feels like I understand we need to respect the process of bringing up uh, witnesses and everything and bringing the documents forth, but it feels like we're just going through the motions uh, because this whole thing feels super politically motivated on both sides. I mean, oh, Democrats absolutely. are super politically motivated to remove him from office, or at least to uh, smear his name enough to get a Democrat in the White House yeah. uh, this coming election style uh, cycle. And Republicans are motivated to keep him in office so that they can hopefully get a second term with Trump. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a big—I mean, this is a big year. 2020 is a huge year for—we have some huge Senate races. Of course, Mitch McConnell's up for his seat this year in, uh, here in Kentucky. Um, but also, exec, you know, the president's race, there are House races up, there are Senate races. So it's a big year, which could flip a numerous amount of— of things, there's a close Senate race in Kansas that could flip the majority from Republicans to Democrats. There are a lot of key races that this year is going to be a big year of politics, and so you'll see that, especially in the impeachment things, things are definitely politically motivated. Yeah, and we're nearing uh, with as far as Supreme Court justices. There's a couple justices on there that are near real close to retirement age. Yeah, um, and so the presidential race uh, this term could mean a lot more than just four years in the White House. Uh, it could mean having a lasting influence on the direction of the country, uh, especially if Trump wins and we uh, and the Republicans get more uh, justices, then there's going to be conservative control of the Supreme Court. Uh, if Democrats win, I would imagine the court's going to stay relatively balanced as it is now. Yeah, I think if, say, Joe Biden were to win, you'd see Ruth Bader Ginsburg probably retire so they could put in a younger you know, Democrat just to, or excuse me, a younger kind of liberal more mindset to, to be on the, 
the bench. But yeah, that's a great point. It's a big year, and you know, I think people know that too. That the next four years there will be probably one, if not maybe even two, seats open on the bench to to nominate people, and it goes not just from the Supreme Court, but all the all the way down as well. Yeah, and so going into this election cycle, we're seeing a lot of candidates try to separate themselves from each other. Uh, we saw the if for you all who don't watch the Democratic debates, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. Uh, were very friendly with each other on the debate, uh, refused to shake hands afterwards, and uh, were insulting each other uh, on TV. Uh, they were somewhat civil, but... I, I tell you, I like it, though. I like things getting tested. This is politics, baby, and you, we're getting into the we're getting into the, the season of primaries. So, I mean, we got the Iowa caucus next Monday, and so it's getting interesting. I like it. Yeah, it's entertaining as long as it's not my party, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's... And we saw in the Republican Party in 2016, the infighting starts to come because people start to realize that there's only one winner, and if it's not you, then things get a little testy sometimes. Yeah. And likewise, yeah, Trump's trying to set himself apart... Uh, putting himself in uh, a good light with uh, conservatives and his base uh, in light of this impeachment. He was the first president uh, to speak at the uh, pro-life march, um, and that's never been done before. Uh, we've never had a standing president uh, attend uh, the march and pre eh, speak. And uh, it's really a great mark uh, for those who are pro-life in this country. We've, yeah. never, we've not had a president support uh, the pro-life movement to this extent. Mm. And I'm hoping that that means there's going to be some momentum going into 2020 and moving forward as far as pro-life movements are concerned. Yeah, I hope so, too. And this just puts a lot of energy back into the pro-life movement and all that kind of stuff. So it's great to see that that the first president ever uh, is President Trump to to stand up for life. And um, especially Vice President Pence, he's also a big champion for for life and, you know, conservatism. So it was a big it was a big day. And I was a little disappointed just because. I didn't know about it until that afternoon because if you were on CNN on their Twitter page or even on ABC or whatever, you just didn't see that much coverage of it, which I think was intentional. Um, whereas, you know, the, the Women's March and all that kind of stuff, there were live tweets that were going out from CNN and all that kind of stuff. So there is some bias for sure still within the news, even towards the pro-life movement and the March for Life rally each year. So it was definitely good to see that the president brought some much-needed news and recognition to that to that cause. Which is always interesting to watch the contrast between those two events. It is, it is, because, I mean, it's you see a lot of people just really into that whole woman's march, and you see news cameras with live-action footage going on all day and updates and tweets and all that kind of stuff nonstop, whereas in the, the March for Life, there were about the same amount of people that were there, and yet the, the coverage was abysmal, if anything. Well, yes, and... Uh, like it or not, the, yeah, the media does, they want to filter things, and so they'll filter things um, yeah. from the people. And that's why I'm happy that Trump was able to do this, and uh, because it'll provide some fuel for the pro-life movement. Yeah, and um, and just to end on a sad note, just I'm sure many people saw that, that Kobe Bryant passed away yesterday in a, in a tragic helicopter crash, and so we send prayers and thoughts to his family throughout the whole, the whole experience. And it's really cool because last night, on Sunday, uh, January 26th, you saw people, um, you know, putting flowers outside the Staples Center where he used to play for the Lakers and all that and all that kind of stuff. So it was really neat to see the the love and outpouring of support for him and and his uh, his funeral, which sounds crazy to say will be will be coming up within the next the next couple of days. Yeah, it's a weird feeling because, like, I'm by no means an NBA st- NBA fan, but if if you live in America, you know who Kobe Bryant is. Yeah, and not even just just around the world too. He's just such an icon, not only for the game, but also just 
you know, caring for people and being a great donator to people who need who need money for their charities and all that kind of stuff too. So it just puts things in perspective and makes you value, you know, staying on the same thing of life, just the value of life and that each day truly is is a gift from God and that we should steward it and such. Yes, uh, he will definitely be missed. And as Luke said, we'll be praying for his uh, family and friends as they uh, go through this hard time. Everyone, thank you for listening to Freedom Thinkers. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to hear more, uh, you can find us on Spotify uh, or anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. Uh, you can check us out on Instagram at Freedom Thinkers Podcast. Uh, and we'll see you next time.